2: new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from
1: hockey fans if you'd like a copy of my new book tales with tr fights film and folklore head on over to blankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Tales with T.R. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. You can find me now on Cameo. Check that out. I'm not even sure of the link, but uh, I've been getting a lot of requests and I just joined. It's a bit hectic, but I'm enjoying it so far. I hope everybody is happy with uh, the product. I'm uh, still new, but... uh, it's a bit of a laugh. So check me out there. And before we get into it, Terry Ryan, 2020 at Gmail dot for my book or books. Uh, but there's uh, some interest there generated from from some newfound Shorzy fans. And I figured I'd say that right off the bat because I often leave it out now. More importantly, my next guest, let's get right to it. He hails from the beautiful province of British Columbia and burst onto the Western Hockey League scene in the early 1990s. With his Portland Winterhawks, and as a result of his hard work and resulting success on the ice, was selected in the fifth round of the 1992 NHL entry draft by the storied Edmonton Oilers, a place he now calls home. He'd go on to play parts of three seasons for the Oilers during a 13-year professional hockey journey that included stops in Wheeling, West Virginia, Stockholm, Sweden, Italy, Germany, England, and even a stop on Canada's national team along with the East Coast League, British British League, American League, NHL, and Italian leagues. These days, his game is in investment advising and hopping on the odd podcast like two guys in a goalie with Dustin Nielsen. He is a proud pro, a good guy, a tantalizing talker, an oiled-up oiler. The kid complained his name starts with J. Holy moly, he's a hell of a goalie. Rub-a-dub-rub, he played in the dub. My Sharona was a hit by the neck, and I'm white, and this guy's black. He played in Britain, don't you see? And one year, he even won the MVP. The Sandman, my pal, a good guy. It's true. My next guest is also his teammate, too. Folks, if you own a budgie, you put it in a cage. Please welcome my friend. It's Joaquin Gage. Gager, how the hell are you
0: doing? That was absolutely amazing, man. That Well done. Well Except done. Except
1: I, l- I lost in the middle and repeated myself a few times. Of course, the playing in Italy is the Italian League. Playing in England is the British League. But uh, anyway, a long journey. We'll talk about... <laughs> shortly what are you up to now what what exactly
0: do you do now i am helping people with uh essentially protecting them against uncontrollable events and planning for the future with customized investment planning so although that sounds riveting it's uh it's uh it's a lot of fun to help people with with uh i'm more of an educator now than than anything else and and stuff like that so you know, you go through this whole roller coaster we call life, and it's funny. I think uh, I'm a little bit older than you, Terry, but uh, usually you, you, we've usually found a profession and kind of stuck to it, right? And I think we we've dabbled in a, in a few different ones, and it takes uh, you got to throw a few darts at the dartboard to find out what you're what you're truly meant to do. Hockey was one of them. It's not many times I think you, that you find two things that you that you're pretty good at. So um, yeah, I'm doing what I should be doing
1: and you're no that's great and so fill me in because i hear you once in a while you pop on these podcasts um so how much are you involved in the game and i don't mean just from jumping on and giving an opinion on hockey like do you play anymore are you coach oh yeah i play
0: i don't coach that wasn't a wasn't a passion of mine to tell you the truth and i can't to be completely honest, if I am coaching, um, I can't stand the kid that comes up to you five minutes in and says, "When are we done?" That drives me just absolutely bonkers. So um, I help out with a few guys. Um, I don't know if you would, maybe you would remember Ian Gordon. I believe he's yeah. goalie with Swift Current. So he's got I a do remember. He's quite successful goalie camp. So once in a while, I'll, I'll go and help him out with uh, with some some elite camps and things like that. But. Man, it's just uh I play men's league. I play with old U of A guys. I remember the Sandman that you uh that you mm. talked about. We used to hit the ice Sundays at the U of A. So that's I, I'm still in goal. I play out once in a while, but uh I still like stopping pucks when I can. It takes me a few more days to recover, but yeah, I, I still love it, man. Goalies knees. Is that like I always wondered, like even I mean, I
1: I played baseball up until a few years ago and it would always astound me, the catchers, I mean, in go like, like, okay, Mike Smith. And he's old. I mean, how, how, how is his, his knees really feeling? Not that you can speak for him, but how, how much does that change? If you must not notice it when you're 20 and then all of a sudden, I mean, it hurts me and I'm not a goalie.
0: Tell us. I, I, I think that's the reason you saw him get injured so much this year. Mm-hmm. It's just the wear and tear of going up and down. I, I heard, uh, Um, a guy from Engle magazine talking about the actually the physics of it all and and going down in the butterfly is like magnet it's like twice the amount of weight that so it's like 400 pounds of force going every time you go into the butterfly and that's going on your knees and then you know what the sad thing is Terry is I've seen a lot of young goalies at the camps that I do take part in and I've talked to people and just the movement now of moving around in their hips. And, and some guys are just built differently. And you see these hip problems with goalies that that can't play past, you know, their 18th birthday because they're just fried. It's, it's a different way to play, but I I am shocked to see how Mike Smith is still playing it. And, playing at a, well, the highest level of the league and, and succeeding to an extent too, right? That's it must just be a bear getting up in the morning for him. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it looks like it, but you're right. I teach a lot of hockey schools. I don't know the stat on it. I don't know the analytics. I don't know the science, but a lot of goalies comment. They say, you know, a lot of people go down now with the hip injuries, like and prominent goalies that, that go up and they play in the queue. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking like 10 years old. I'm, I'm saying, a lot of the kids I work with are either going to the queue or college or whatever it might be. And they come back and we all skate. I just got back from one. That's why I was late on here. Um, and a lot of them comment. So what is it? Is it the movements? Is it the, it's the constant training off the ice, but specifically hips too. And I never would have thought that I would have thought knees, ankles,
0: hips. I think knees are, are in there too. But the, the, the biggest problem, Terry is the, there's no rest. There's no, there's no two sports that they're playing. I I think goalies should be done at the end of the season. Like, none yeah. of this spring hockey getting back out there and having guys rip pucks off your shoulders. Like, that's it's, it's just not enjoyable whatsoever. I mean, I liked playing in the summer, but it wasn't everyday structured hockey. It was going to the four rinks, which is now eight rinks, I think, in Vancouver, and hoping I could get on with, like, Trevor Linden and Pavel Bure, right? Like, and signing up. That was that was fun to me but but I did other stuff we played tennis we went yeah. to the beach we played frisbee we went swimming we did tons of other things maybe it was a a product of where I grew up in in Vancouver like right in Kitsilano and stuff but uh man we couldn't wait to get outside and get out of the rink for a little bit these kids that I see lugging their stuff you know it's it's yeah. 35 degrees out and they're going into a rink to put on all this gear I but the that's sad thing is they're going into the rink to put on all this gear because
1: their parents told them to for the most yeah, part. Yeah, that's the worst part. Right? Yeah, exactly. I hate, that. I hate it with a yeah. passion. And it's why I often stay away. I, I I volunteered a few years ago to coach a minor hockey team. That'll never, ever happen again. I'm <laughs> getting into it. But I, I don't mind helping out at clinics and doing my own personal stuff because generally, if people are going to pay to be there for a week or whatever, they're going to listen. And there are I do find a lot of the elite kids, if, if nothing else, they want to listen. I, I don't know what happened, but it's, it seems that a lot of them do want to listen. But, you know, it's also because it's a business almost. And it's sad. They're listening because yeah, I get it. It's just a different, pro- even when I was like, in my draft years and playing in the way well, I would come back and play ball hockey with the boys and we'd rent the ice more than anything. Like I, yeah. I got better and I got in shape because I was on the ice for two hours a day against the best kids around. Of course, I'm not saying there's nothing to working out. But if you're worrying about bench press and stuff at fourteen, you've taken the wrong train, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I can always tell the 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 kid that wants to be there because you'll see he's the one carrying his own bag. Once I see <laughs> yeah. mom or dad having the sticks or the bag, that kid does not want to be there. Like my daughter, who's a uh, quite a. Established little dancer she's 13 it's never been hard to get her to dance she always brings her own stuff and she can do her own hair do her own makeup it's all on her not like and i see like these other moms like these old girls and they're still doing everything for them that's just to me it's the same type of thing it's that you're doing this because your parents want you to not because you want to and if you know if my daughter said hey i don't want to dance tomorrow fine that's fine but find something that your kids really love to do and and make it so they didn't it's not a chore to get them to go do it. Like they're, they're standing at the door ready to go, you know, and you're getting in the car. That's the, that's how, you know, a a person like a kid wants to really do something and be there in, in athletics or anything else from that minor.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's profound. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that about the carrying the gear, never really thought about it, but it's, you know, that's, Almost foolproof. Almost. I can't think of an exception. Usually I can think of an exception. I can't think of one. So I'm going to take your word for that and I'm going to use it myself. Speaking of Kitsilano, I didn't realize you. So you were born in Vancouver and you grew up there. So, A, who's your, who would have been your hockey hero growing up? Was it a goalie? Was it even hockey? Were you into other stuff? You said you played tennis. Because I see that you played for Bellingham and Chilliwack, right? In the Mm -hmm. one year. So they both couldn't have been point being, you eventually went to the Portland Winterhawks. So I remember Tri-Cities, we had a, our affiliate was Bellingham. But did you play for both those teams because they were from Vancouver and you were trying to get up there eventually and finally Portland took you or did they send you to both teams to
0: improve? This is a this is the story that I tell young hockey players to never give up. Okay, so it's a little bit long winded. I'll try to shorten it. It's all right. As much That's why we're possible. here.
1: My question was long. I really want to know. I looked at your. So it usually doesn't work out like the way Hockey DB is saying it. So I want to hear yeah. the story.
0: So growing up on the coast in 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 Kitsilano, there was there was a few good players, and I. I count myself as one of them. Paul Correa was definitely one. There was another mm-hmm. kid named Rob Gagno, who was by far better than everyone else. But there, it's, it, it's not like growing up on the prairies, right, where the, these farm kids are just beasts at, at 12, 13 as hockey players. So um, <laughs> I, my, my first introduction to that was I went to the Murray College in Notre Dame in, in, uh, in Regina, uh, just outside. So um met all the Broad Brendemore was there, Cujo was there, just ridiculous. Um and then my my third year there, uh I was a football player and the the uh the chancellor of the school um his name was Martin Kenny. So uh, and we all know Kenny's in, in Alberta here. So I'm not a big fan of the Kenny's, but not because of his politics. It's because the, I don't like the family because the dad told me I would never make a dime playing hockey. And so oh, wow, wow. I, I left that thing crying, you know, I was a f- 14 year old kid. And here's this guy telling me to concentrate on football and not play hockey. So I went back to the dorm. I phoned the Kamloops Blazers and asked for a tryout the following year. Went to Kamloops. Good states. for you.
1: You're one of the kids that just that sentence means you're one of the kids that took his own fucking bag. Keep going.
0: <laughs> so I, uh, next year I, I show up at camp. No one knows who's this Joaquin Gage kid. Yeah. He was back East. I don't know. He says he's from Vancouver. I end up being like the third goalie on the team until October and Corey Hirsch and Dale Masson were the other two goalies. Mm. So eventually they said, we, we're not going to keep you, you know, we have Corey Hirsch and, and stuff. So, um, I went, they said they traded me to Swift current and actually Graham James was there at the time too. Like, um, and, uh, I had thought I'd been traded, uh, I don't think I ever was there. There was, I think there was some sort of deal in the, in the works, but they just didn't, couldn't come to a arrangement. I went back and bounced around the BC junior league. Uh, I went to new Westminster. I went to Chilliwack. Mm -hmm. Finally, I got cut from both teams. I went home and my dad said, look, if you can't find a place to play, your career's done. I phoned the Bellingham ice Hawks, went to Bellingham. The coach sat right beside the net and watched me for the practice and after practice goes yep you're better than that guy you're playing next game um wow or, yeah so I'm uh, I'm still on Camus's list Next game we played in the Naimo Clippers in the Naimo. Uh, Ken Hodge, uh, the head coach of the Portland Winterhawks, I guess they were playing the Victoria Cougars. He came up and watched the game the night before, and we won like two one. And I stopped like fifty shots. Right? He traded for my rights the next the next day. I was a Portland Winterhawk. I played the last two games of the year down there. Yeah. Okay, the next okay. year went to Portland and <laughs> got drafted by Edmonton. So I was this close to not ever playing hockey again you know after five teams in a ma- in a span of a few months and i just like i was calling gms i was calling everybody and so perseverance man i was it was lucky there was a little bit of luck in there of course like to have all those things fall into place but i mean that uh that molded me into a, basically the guy you see before you know terry <laughs>
1: imagine the, the 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 fine line i tell people like you know, I try to explain. It's a great one. I'm going to use that. I'm going to have some kids that I work with. Uh, listen, because it's, and, and sometimes, and you were, you, you nearly quit. And, and you were trying hard. Like sometimes it's like, you know what, maybe I won't go to camp because they missed their girlfriend or something. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, which which sometimes works out, but it, it often doesn't. And it's like, man, the window's small. And now you try to get back. And for you, 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 you tooth and nail this close one more shot. And it, and, it, and it works out. So you go to port. I was wondering this, because, again, you're reading. It doesn't give any order to it. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know when those games with Portland were. So you you impressed. You play the last couple games. Now the next year you go into Portland, 91, 92. This, by the way, there's a few common threads in my mind. I didn't know anything about out West. I went out to Cornell. That's when I got there. I was a 14-year-old, 91, 92, okay? The summer of that, that summer, the summer of 91... I went out to play the tournament in B.C. called the Vancouver Super Series. Mm-hmm. And Van- Vancouver wanted me to play with them. And that's how what ended up happening was I, I, <clears throat> I'm going somewhere with this. I know it's your interview. Um, I was at the Quebec Pee Wee tournament and Vancouver wanted me to go out and play with them. So my dad said, that, you know, you could go. But why don't we just take a because that was a problem. No one wanted to scout Newfoundland. Funny afterwards, it was three years in a row. I went eighth. Clary went 13th and Harold Druk went. 30th. And people started to say, Jesus, if the only people come out of there are going in the first and second round. And John Slaney went a few years before me. Yeah. So then it became, Now now we got like third liners, but it was wild for years. We were going, man, everybody that comes out of here. But anyway, that was dad's thing. So we took a full team out there and we did well. And then they asked me to stay. So Tri-City didn't know what they were going to do with me. They ended up sending me up to Cornell. And again, I didn't know I was going to play junior, but that was all wild. But they did compare it. They go, you got to come see this guy play, Paul Korea. He plays yeah. in I bet. Yeah, right. I'm right. Yeah. Barticton. And they, they go, you got to come see him. He's 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 the only guy because I heard about and I was playing Rocky Mountain Junior League. They told me Junior A, but one was like meat and potatoes tough. And the other was people going for college scholarships. Anyway, Korea was the best young player that I've still that I've ever seen with my own eyes. I didn't see Crosby with my own eyes. I saw I heard about him, but that was absolutely crazy. And um, so and, and to build off that sorry. It's my little story with Korea. But so you go to Portland. Not only, not only do you go there though, you do all right. So now if your goal was to go at first, I remember Major Jr. was like the NHL. Like I didn't really have a I I mean, yes, if you asked me, I wanted to play in the NHL. But to me, it was such a big step I didn't look past it. But you get drafted 92 to the Oilers. Did you see that coming? Did they call you or was it out of nowhere?
0: Completely out of nowhere. Like that wow. was playing in the Western League. And going to Portland and being in the U.S. for the first, you know, like I'd been there, but I wasn't going there to live there, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, you get people going, oh, so it's your, is it your draft year? And I go, draft year. Are we talking about beer here? Like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like yeah, you can, yeah, I didn't, helped. I, it didn't know if that's. Yeah. Okay, so I you get drafted by an NHL team if you do well, that's great, you know. And I, I guess I kind of knew, but I never really thought about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm on TSN late in the year on Bob McKenzie's talking about me going possibly in the third round, like wow. it was. It was a, it was a weird thing. And remember the hockey, like this was before internet stuff. So you'd get those hockey news and get on those buses. Those things got passed around like crazy. Everyone trying to find out where they are. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, it was great. So to, if you ever got your name in the, or picture in the hockey news by mentioned by Bob McKenzie, man, that was, that was huge. I was so massive that year. I couldn't believe everything just kind of fell into everything worked out, had a good year and, and Edmonton drafted me
1: that's phenomenal. So, uh, and I, uh, isn't that a wild ride? I there's one experience in my life that I can never live again. Uh, I can go back to Hawaii. I can, you know, go to Europe. I can skate a bit. I can't go back to experiencing what it was like for those moments in junior where I know, I mean, I, I knew, I guess, cause it was the goal when we left, I, I mean, in order to leave Newfoundland, all that realization had to come early, but, but still, I find it like wild when you're going through all of a sudden you start reading the hockey news and you're like, like, I'm one of them. Like it can't be though. I'm not really like I'm an, I'm an imposter. Like what, what, what's going on? Like you're reading it. And then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, wow, I guess this happened to everybody else that came through before me. It is a whirlwind. I don't care. Unless you're Connor McDavid or you're going in, you know, major junior. It takes a while to get used to it. And it, I don't know for me, Even going the first I was still like blown away. I couldn't believe the whole process. And I guess by extension, when did you realize, you know, after you go to your first camp and everything, that you could be a pro? Like that took a while for me to go, okay, like I'm one of these guys. I was in awe. I don't really know what day to put on it if it was it was probably my second camp really before I started to go okay try to rush with the puck like i was just dumping it in and going these are nhlers when when was it for you you're getting shot on it's a totally different right
0: yeah I, well i knew there was there was a little bit of work to do uh my first camp um just because i I remember. Well, you know, it's funny because you, I'm. You'd probably remember. I one of the first games that I played. Like this was just camp, but I remember going down and playing in Cape Breton, and we were playing the, the Leafs in St. John's, and I remember. Uh, Rich Chernomaz, so mm-hmm. people will remember Rich, and Rich had a full mustache, and I had never played against a guy with so much facial hair before, and I just okay. was like, oh my God, this is this is the real deal. St. You know? John's yeah. too, St. John, oh yeah, great rink, that rink, great rink, but it, it was intimidating some... if you're the opposition. Oh yeah, I loved playing in that rink. I just loved it. It was uh, I had some of my best games in that rink. It was it was great. You're always there for the weekend, um, <laughs> so it got a little bit out of hand. We had,
1: Adrian, you know, what they did there. Sorry to remember where you were in the story. What they did there. So they they had a vote because no one wanted the rink to go because because we loved it so much and everybody it was su- it was such a burn. So they built Mile One Stadium in 2000, and I, I played I, I think the last year in in, in Memorial Stadium. But what they did, they so they built Dominion bought it, which is a grocery chain grocery store. So they got the, the, the they built around it. So the, the clock still hangs. There's still some seats up in the corner as you're getting your groceries. It's really, no. really. Yeah, it's really unique. And the outside still says, welcome to Memorial Stadium. No way, Yeah. No anyway, way. anyway, it was a burn, though. People haven't been here. I'm, I try to explain it. I try to show the old. But they were right on top of you. And it wasn't ever planned to be a, a pro, we didn't ever think we were going to get the St. John's, like the Toronto Maple yeah. Leaf sperm team in the 80s. Are you kidding? People were going, what? We yeah. it, Honestly, we almost felt, um, I, I don't want to say inferior, but I mean, we, we weren't even really. Now there's definitely more Canadian unity. I don't mean we were anti. It just it really felt like we were out here. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't even a lot of tourism. So you know what i mean it, it was a completely different impact but, but anyway keep going sorry
0: oh and i i just i, I remember one that smell of that ring like and the you know rinks like that have a certain odor with the yeah with the zamboni and stuff but i remember going walking in and out of the core of my eye you know where, where we went into the dressing room but i could see you can see the ice surfs and all these people are flying by and i'm like what are they like out there skating before? I just noticed the speed of and then I go out there and it it's it was like couples night before the games and it was I I swear everyone's probably between 45 and 60 all couples holding hands ripping around the rink. Like I couldn't believe the speed of all these old people, men and women flying around that rink. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is un- I've never seen anything like a packed rink, too. Like just the so many rink. And just it was different um, things
1: yeah, like I said, it started as a as a small senior rink, just and and then so they added seats, they found every way there was seats like they <laughs> were inventing seats in there because it, it it cost less than building a brand new place, which we have now, but anyway, so um because I think the capacity was like thirty three hundred, which is really small for pro, but people they supported it, and you know obviously the leaks leaps were kicking in, but it was small enough that. I remember it was five goal, free pizza, five goal, free pizza. <laughs> now a lot of places. It's nine goal, but in a time too, when scoring, you know, five goals, wasn't that uncommon, but everybody yeah. in the rink got a free pizza. What a So everybody would stay and get a little thing like that can change the whole year.
0: You know? Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um, oh God.
0: That's great. Uh, that's
1: so you great. come in then. So you're, you're now for, I can't go further without asking you about Portland. I only, only from a perspective of living there, uh, Portland, Oregon is one of, my favorite places I've ever been, as is Portland, Maine, oddly enough, and you played in both. But tell me about Portland in, in junior. Just what kind of a
0: place was it to live? Uh, unreal. Like okay. anyone that I tell that's going to Portland's like, okay, go to this place, go to that place. And I was an underage person at that point. There was just so much to do there, right? It's a little bit inland. There's always tons of festivals going on. The food is amazing. You can drive out to the coast. It's all sand dunes. We used to go out to this place called Seaside um, on the weekends. Yeah, We'd drive yeah. out there and and walk along the boardwalks, go for some seafood or something like that, and and just hang out and drive that. back. It's just... you know what what a place for a junior hockey player
1: it's it's perfect it's it's just perfect it's a perfect size uh people are really friendly it almost feels like a different planet and i i remember honestly going to when i saw it in junior it's the only place i remember seeing and going wow i could live here and a few (laughs) years later a few years ago sorry i went back to tri-cities and i went back through portland and it was almost like I, I, it was almost like the movie Mr. Destiny. Like I was like, you know what? I nearly like I nearly lived here. Like it was like, okay, I'm in my forties, but I nearly because that's how much I wanted to live there. It was yeah. beautiful. I, every time I go to Washington State, I at least go there for a night. Man, get a bite to eat. Um, that area out by the water, I forgot Seaside. For anybody Seaside, that has been yeah. there, no. it's absolutely beautiful. It's relaxing. It's good for the mind. The whole area. So, beyond that, you go pro. How were your first couple of years pro? And I guess at that point you you're, you've come to the realization you're an NHL prospect. Now you get a couple of games. So when I say pro AHL,
0: but you're getting an NHL taste, how did all that feel? Um, gosh, what a again! You couldn't believe it was happening, right, to that point. And that was the first year of the that was the first lockout year. My first year pro. So actually, the the American League was really intense because there was at least 2 to 3 guys on the team that most likely would have been in the NHL that year. I mean, yeah. we had um Todd Marchant, uh David Oliver, um we had a couple checks that that played uh yeah. David Vaborney. Yeah. Like we had we had Peter White who played you know we, these guys probably yes. would have been in the in the NHL so it was it was a lot different and there was NHL scouts at every and every game was packed because Miroslav well, Shatan
1: played, Shetan the played there Shatan played there my god the, i didn't know yeah. he was down
0: Tyler yeah Light, he was yeah. Tyler okay. <laughs> it was it was a joke so um a lot of fun i won't uh, i won't deny that that was it was a different it was a different time back then <laughs> with yeah. in the American League. Really it was, fun. if everyone watches those like uh, Bull Durham or stuff, like the the, the miners had that, that feel to it. Like I remember jumping on a treadmill or whatever after a practice and one of the old veteran guy said you don't have to do that anymore kid you're in the minors <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> so, but you'd go to these places you go to Hershey you go to Providence and they'd have these guys like Tim Tukey or Jody Gage one time I got his sticks yeah. instead of mine he's a famous forward scored more goals than anyone oh I've still got records I think yeah he's a legend right yeah so there was it was just this it was a different different vibe I th- it was sad to see that they can't, I understand it because it is a developmental league and they had to get going that way. But man, there was something to guys living in those, in those minor league cities and just being a face of the city, like Kevin Kamensky in in Portland, Maine, like he was, he was a God down there, you know, like yeah. it was, it was a, it was a really fun, really fun to, uh, to be part of for sure. And,
1: uh, and, and, and so you get up with the Oilers Right now, you like early on, some people ask Jordan Binnington. So early on, I mean, I'm seeing you play two games in 94, 95, but 95, 96 is the bulk of your NHL. You, you play 16 games in the season. So now that all happens quick, like two years before you're in the in, in junior and it seems so far away. And even just that, that next year. So you're in the National Hockey League. How did it feel? And being an oiler, I mean, is different then like being, a, being a Canadian has a feel to it, right? Obviously being an oiler has a feel to it. And for someone like you, few years older than me, I was coming into my own as the Oilers were winning. I don't care where you're from, Vancouver, Helsinki, China, the Oilers were where it was at in the sports world. You're playing for them. You're putting on their Jersey. You're going out on the ice. You're playing for them. Take us
0: through that experience. Just hearing the announcer say your name, Yeah, Terry, like, and you've heard him say the same voice (laughs) that said Gretzky, Curry, you know, Messier, Fuhrer, and all he's saying, he's saying Joaquin, like, it's, it's just mind blowing that all of a sudden you're there, right? And, and it's, I mean, a different time. I, you know, it's tough for me sometimes because a lot, sometimes I do look at my career as a, as a failure because you think, you know, it's Stanley Cups and Veznas from here on in and. uh, trip to the hockey hall of fame at some point but um it was it's i have i have to realize that it was successful i did something that not not a lot of people get to do in their life exactly right? dude, it's, exactly. It's, and i i it's um i won't say daily but i would say weekly process of going god i, I wish i would especially when you see the playoffs going on now it's, oh why couldn't i've done that or something like that but I, I i
1: hear you buddy loud and clear and it failure is the wrong word but you you, you and I are both in this. We, we know we could have done better up there, right? Like It was really <laughs> yeah. nice playing in the NHL. It was yeah. so fun. And for me, it was just, it, it, it was, I guess, you could look at it as circumstantial. I got hurt, but I brought it on myself, to be honest with you. I did. I, I could have gone back to Montreal camp, got an argument with Michelle Tyrion, But, that, that, you know, I. so to me, there was, there was a black and white of it. It was like, man, I, I didn't go back to camp. They had a record number of injuries. All my buddies got up. I was playing with Aaron Asham in the minors, you know, and, and all of a sudden, So but after a while, when that wore off and it's still there, you'd be lying. You'd be lying to say that doesn't cross your head that you could have played in that league. But I could also be dead. Right. So. (laughs) So it takes a while. But my point is that while it's going on, you don't appreciate. I mean, I did do a point. There wasn't days that I didn't get up in Montreal and go, man, like almost every day, like I'm in the NHL. But there's also a level of stress and anxiety to it. And you feel like you sh- I should be up all year. I should. And you're a hockey pro- What makes you competitive? That's what makes this happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there in the first place. But I'm going, I got called up. I, I had I hit the post, man. I could have had a goal. I had a fight. I could have had two. like that's the way it is. And then when you look back, right, and the dust settles and all of a sudden you're going to work in your hometown and the boys are there and they're doing a hockey pool and you're like, fuck, I, like. Jesus Christ, I was coming out of that dressing room like with my skates on as a player. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and it becomes then overwhelming like you're a kid again. But there is that, I don't even want to call it spite, but there, there's, there was a whole time that I just didn't really appreciate it, even though the words were coming out of my mouth, but I didn't. And uh, so looking back, failure is the wrong word. I mean, i you could always do a bit better, I guess, but... <laughs> Who knows you and I are are happy with what we're doing and hockey uh, pro hockey, at least was a long time ago. And I can say that, that that's also, there's something to be said about that. Um, so just a couple more on your ice hockey career, and then we're going to get into some rapid fire randoms. If you don't mind, I'll have you about another 20 minutes or so. Um, so you, you end up with the, this is also you're, you're in the A and you're doing well, like, uh, now you start going back. You, you play over the over the course of the next six or seven years. You play about 45 games in the East Coast League. Did you take that as a demotion? Were you pissed off? Or with goalies, it's different. This is why I say it. We had Thomas Focun When I was in Fredericton, we had to, Jose Theodore, Mathieu Garon, and Thomas Fokun were our goalies. Uh, so we we sent Focun to the minors. But I, I remember hearing them talk about it. It was like, well, you know, it's a goalie. He's still going to get shots. We'll work with him and i was like that's odd i wouldn't want to hear that
0: if i was a prospect <laughs> but how did you like how did, uh, was was that the case it was terrible yeah. felt like it was over i remember uh yeah i got sent to when i went got sent to wheeling it was because i was playing so poorly but i was also being a bit of a I wasn't being a good team player I don't think at that point I thought I deserved more but um yeah I was and I thought again what am I doing here like I'm I'm eating wings and, at J-Bo's Bar and Grill watching the Steelers play like this is ridiculous I shouldn't be here yeah. so but again it's 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 I learning I your head and, and I was the same fucking way Yeah yeah I just had to go you know what I got to start stopping some pucks. So um, that's that basically became my focus at that point to just get get back to where I was. And it, I mean, the coast is another different animal in itself, too. The, the thing is, is it's it's just a meat grinder. You're playing three games in two and a half days. Um, you're traveling all the time and there's tons of people on those rosters just trying to get a sniff at something so you're competing against other people you're competing against the guys on your own team um man it's it's it definitely hardens you in those leagues to 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 get out and and to perform well that's you got to take care of yourself to do these types of things so i did look at that as a demotion but you know, as you said, bounced around for six years on a multitude of different teams, and I managed to actually get back to the NHL. You got again. back. You got yeah. back three, six, four, five, six years
1: go by. Five years, you get back. Now you go to the Canadian national team. I assume that's where you played with Sam Man, or was it? No, he was there Hamilton. the year before. You know, okay, but I, so yeah, I played with you him both in played in Hamilton and the national team. Like back to back years, just opposites. So you end up okay, Canadian national team. That's not a thing anymore. Well, it is, but back then it used to be like you'd go and play, and you'd actually make a living and get to play on the team. Tell us a
0: little bit about that. That that year changed my life, man. Traveling and playing against, you know, the Russian national team, the Swedish national team. Actually, Tom Rennie was our coach. I had never I, had worked. I remember that. I had never had worked harder on and off the ice than that year. Like he had us, just we were machines. I and. it it opened my eyes a little bit of what I I really had to do if I wanted to succeed. Right. And I had a, I had a great year. Like I was, I got voted uh, top goalie at the Sweden hockey games. I think we won second at the Spengler that year. Like we're playing in all these tournaments and it it was, it was just a really, really good year for me. And then uh, Tom Rennie said, um, I asked him if there was any NHL teams that uh, had any interest. He said, no, but uh, there's a lot of teams in Europe. So really, I had, I asked him if I could come to, if I was going to play on the world championships that year, he goes, I'd love to play a Gager. You've had a great year, but I got to take two NHL guys. You'd be our third guy, but you'd be sitting there. So I, um, he said, but Hamilton, Oilers old farm team wants you. And uh, cause, and I go, really? Like, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth left with the Oilers. I ended up wow. going back there, playing a few rounds in the playoffs. Got ahead, and and uh, it was funny because yeah. I go in for my year-end meetings with Scott Housen, who was the GM there at the time, and mm. and I wasn't thinking he wanted to talk to me, right? So I had I had garbage bag day. I got my stuff. I go, hey Scott, thanks man, that was fun. He goes, well Gager, we want to uh, we were thinking of maybe uh, we got to talk to your agent and maybe something next year for signing with the with the big club. And I go, yeah yeah, whatever Scott, yeah thanks man. I'll talk to. You. Really funny, you know. But- But got home, and all of a sudden, the Oilers are knocking at the door again. And I already had a contract signed for Germany the following year, but how do you say no to the NHL?
1: How do you say no to the NHL? And that's a great way to end this first segment.
2: Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs with DraftKings same-game parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Applying. See show notes for details. Okay, we're back.
1: Gager, to one one actual thing I want to—we're going to we're, we're gonna do rapid fire randoms now. But I did want to comment on something. Have you ever noticed? You must, as your career went on, your numbers got better. Like if, <laughs> if, if
2: you—I'm
1: <laughs> so, not saying that you were bad to begin with. The era changed, first of all. Um, there was a lot more goals going. Like you know, you're, you're like your hockey DB as far as improving reads like Sheldon Surreys, Like all of a sudden, Sheldon, st- you know, in junior, Sheldon was getting three and five goals, but one pieces came in and his shot went from ninety five to one hundred five. Lo and behold, Sheldon starts getting twenty goals in the National Hockey League. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm that junior. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, you know, because I'm looking at it like you decided to retire. And here are your numbers the last few years, 905, 909, 903, 908, 907, 915. Put it in perspective, in junior, you didn't have nine anything.
0: So now I was, the difference if, is
1: junior, and it's 53 yeah. games played, and it's, you know, but go ahead.
0: I, uh, I was very... Um... I was more of an entertainer I believe than a goaltender back then. It was either unbelievable or couldn't stop anything. <laughs> I it, it was a different time, man. There was like you look at you go to rinks these days there's 50 goalies out there doing uh, you know doing drills and, oh, yeah. and refining their their craft. I, that wasn't me. Like we I didn't have a goalie coach till I th- I think I one guy came to the to Cape Breton, and this guy was just like Bretton, for three. Okay. So I thought you were yeah. going to say, like, until Bentham. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I didn't have any help. No, not what not I did. Everything, this was a, a self made goalie here. So, and it showed at times. Well, but in I perspective,
1: remember- though, back then, I mean, 909 got you a, that was in 0102, that got you a league MVP. So, yeah. you know, the the numbers were different. Now you've got it, guys like Shusterkin going through the National Hockey League playoffs or whoever Vasilevsky pick a year that you're yeah. up around nine three nine. Four. Are you kidding me? Like, Jesus Christ. You know, like the, there's just a, uh, the, the, if a stand standards change and precedents get set and you know, it, it's a very fluid, nothing static. It'll probably be, you know, they, they, they were going to make the net bigger a few years ago and then a good, <laughs> a good
0: goals against it'd be, you know, high sevens. You know, um, let me ask you this, Terry. I want to ask you this though, because I feel that, um, a lot of times before that, I I felt that goalies have kind of ruled the roost, so to speak, over the over the past few years, like just the dominance of of how they've been playing. But um, I have this little theory of since 2006, and those rule changes came in that got rid of the. You know, the barbarian defenseman uh, standing in front where it got to be more of a skilled game and now seeing the skill level of these guys and where they put pucks. And I don't, I, you were a pretty skilled player, but I don't know if you ever came down the wing and thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to put this off the bar short side or no maybe bank it off his head and, and go in, nope. you know, like just like think- the,
1: uh, the Michigan. It wasn't even in, it wasn't in my thought process.
0: Yeah. So I I really think that the skill level of the players have caught up to the goalies in in that respect. And because you look at there's we could have 50 goals or 10 50 goal scores next year, you know. Yeah. And and these guys that are hitting 100 points now, I think this is a this is a whole new different ball of wax the the NHL and I think goalies um like I think you could have said a few years ago there's probably 10 15 number ones now. What are they maybe five, six that you can bona fide say are going to play 60 games, maybe? I don't know.
1: You've made a lot of good points. You've made some great points. That's another profound point. The the beginning one was the hockey bags that you made. I'll never forget that. (laughs) But you're right. There isn't a bunch of number ones anymore. And that's why going into the... That's why a lot of teams are like, yeah, but they don't have a goalie. They do have a goalie. They just don't have these premier Superman goalies. And you're right, man. Like, that's wild to even think about. And yeah, I kind of... And you know people if, if, if they thought the year was a one-off look, I know it's McDavid and Dryzettel, but two guys just got over 30 points in three rounds. no yeah. one I, I heard a stat today for, for McCarr. he's gotten nine points in two sweeps, and no defenseman or two defensemen had ever done that, or in coffee, and that was it. That, yeah, that was it. There was only two ever and he's just done it he's done it twice this year with a chance to do it a third time. What's yeah. going on but I mean so things are changing as we speak. Right. It seemed to a lot of people, it might seem static, but it's changing. Um, great point. So are you ready, my friend? Oh, before we get the rapid fire random. So I want to know, for those that don't know, my buddy Sam with asked me to do this roast of Joaquin Gage. It was about a month ago. And me and engager had met at a couple of hockey tournaments, charity, NHL alumni stuff. But I was like, man, are, are you sure I can just rip them? And he was like, yeah. So I said, I, you know, I get He's a goalie. He's a few years older than me. He played long enough. I can just pick any year and pounce on it. So I was like, he's actually going to be pretty easy to roast. So he was like, okay. Now, I thought this was amongst you guys. I thought it was your birthday and you were like in Sandman's basement or some shit. I didn't know. <laughs> so I go up to Toronto and I'm, I'm there to do the Shorzy Presser and he's like, no, I, I need that like by like tonight. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just wing it and I sent one through and I, I'm not. Sam Man's usually he's he's ecstatic. He'll let you know. And he was like, kind of him and ha. And I'm like, I, I don't think I knew the the the, the breadth of this thing, the, the weight of it. So I was like, okay. So I went and wrote wrote a big one out, and I was really nervous about if people would take the race stuff because I'm like, you know, it's you know, we're we're all hockey players, obviously, and it's such a it's such a nothing thing to me that I'm like, but it's not. You know, it's not going to be a big deal, but to my, that's my subjective viewpoint over here in Newfoundland sitting on my patio is a lot different than you guys all sitting there in a place that, you know, is more formal than anything. So I went through it and I still didn't realize how big it was going to be till like two days later when Struds, who I just started doing some hits with uh, on Ryan Rashog's podcast, he sent me some pictures and I was like, holy shit. So, A, I hope I didn't defend you. And B, how did it? The, the whole roast thing you guys do that out west we don't do it we probably should i don't know if i would volunteer for that but how did it go over for real not just mine like the whole thing and was anything over the
0: line it, yours is still talked about and that was on may 13th well the, that could be two things though that could no, mean it was it's funny it's, or it was
1: it was terrible
0: it was you brought the house down it was perfect <laughs> the the I it got so loud in there when you made reference to me being the and I can't I don't I can't do it justice but the joke you couldn't hear the next thing you said for the next like 10 15 seconds because everyone was laughing at the comparison of of me with a love child of Vin Diesel and RuPaul, or whatever. <laughs> however, you said that thing. My wife even said, "Hey, can you get him? Can you get him to say what that was?" Because I was laughing so hard at it, and then I, I forgot it. No, Terry, it was. I mean, I was shocked. Like we went into this JW Marriott. I don't know if you've ever been to this place, but it's the new hotel right across from the new rink. Like it's all fancy schmancy, you know, and my wife and I walk in and there's posters with my name on it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is kind of a big deal. You know, we go into the banquet room. It's, there's like room for 400 people i'm like i'm scared if anyone's going to even show up to that but man it was uh the sam did a did a great job he broke the ice first guy out there used profanity like it was punctuation it was perfect okay and um and yeah it was it, rest assured, buddy. Kid sports going to be all over you next time to 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 actually be there in person because it was phenomenal. Well, I'd I'd love to. Be, well, that's great. Uh, I'd love to. I love
1: Edmonton. Right? Any chance to get out there? Any chance at all? It's like my, I used to go like when I played in Tri Cities. For some reason, I mean, you can go and look at it. I I, I guess maybe Scott Bonner was from there, but I mean, ninety percent of my teammates, ninety percent, yeah, were. Were, we're, from Edmonton. So I would go there every summer. Even when I played pro, I would go stay at Ryan Marsh had a place there. Cause he, he went five years, I think to U of a, so I would go there each of those years practice with them. It was as good as training as any. There's gym yeah. everywhere. They're all Western leaguers. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. And, um, I hope I get to come back more. Okay. Are you ready? Walking engaged for rapid fire randoms. Let's hit it. Okay. So you just cut your, uh, wife cheating and you bought a machete and you you lopped this guy's head off it was a crime of passion but you still got put to death you're on death row what's your meal
0: Ooh, I think I I'll go um, sushi with a, a Japanese Wagyu steak
1: mm. very descriptive interesting and approved answer you've got uh, one superpower to pick you, you just stumble upon a Aladdin's lamp down by a lake and he gets out, he's hung over, but he says, fuck it, I'll give you one superpower. That's what I'm going to give you.
0: Not a wish, a one superpower. What is it? Um, oof, gosh, I'm a comic book nerd. i got to think about this for two seconds. Uh, healing ability.
1: Healing ability. That's the first time. So most of these questions are unique, but about 10, not even probably five are repeats. I ask everybody, death row, superpower. And nobody has ever said healing power. Most top answer, by the way, top answer on the board is usually flying. Second answer, invisibility. And then it's an array of wow. And you just gave me the biggest wow. Okay. Jason Strudwick in three words. Um, you can pick
0: one words. word if you want. You just get the um, maximum. Oh God! Um, humorous, giving, and oh, well, sfolically challenged. One word?
1: Yeah. Yes, it is. You're getting a <laughs> bonus word for that. It's four, but I'll take it. So. A million dollars a month, you're offered a million dollars a month, okay? But you always have to have a ham sandwich on you. Yeah, you always have to have a ham sandwich on you. For the rest of your life, okay, you have to have a ham sandwich on you. If you're not carrying it, you have to carry it in a purse. You have a purse, a little satchel purse, but it looks pretty feminine, but whatever. And you always, you can, even when you get in the shower... This is like, you know, if you're what do they call it when you got kidneys and your are dialysis or whatever. Yeah. you you've always got a ham sandwich on you. Now it's a million a month, so you'll never have to worry about anything,
0: but at least yeah, have I, money. I can do that. I can carry a ham sandwich.
1: Okay. That's a long time with a ham sandwich. Well, but <laughs> yes. I mean, that's why I asked it because I think I would do it too. I mean, you gotta really think about it. Terran sandwich, three words. Oh. Uh. Promiscuous giving, hmm. solid guy. So that's one go. word. So we're, we're, I'm just going to say four words from now. From now <laughs> on, uh, the most underrated goalie of all time.
0: Oh, underrated! Jeez, um, I can I, That's that. That's a good question. That's a tough one to answer because there's so many guys that I don't think got their. Um, Got just one guy. Oh, shoot.
1: That is a tough one, if I do say that's, so myself. Who is an underrated goalie?
0: Under, underrated? Um, oh, shoot. What was the guy's name that won the cup in Washington there? Um, yeah, yes, Holpe. Holpe. that's Holpe. Holtby. I'm going to say him because um, I love when they won the cup. And if you rewind and look at it, um, they, uh, they went in six, I believe for whatever it was. I remember, uh, the capitals just had scored to go ahead and he took off his mask and he, you know, he did the, his thing his eye following the water with his eyes and he, and you could t- read his lips and I must've rewound it a thousand times and all that stuff of the Washington going through trying to get past Pittsburgh. And you could see him, he said, it's my time now. This is my time. And I saw that, and I just got chills ripping down my spine. And then a few minutes later, he was holding the Stanley Cup above his head. I just
1: (laughs) here stood on end on my arms. And you know what? That's a great fucking answer. He's a number one goalie that won the Stanley Cup with a team that were battling and battling and battling and finally did it. And of the number one goalies that have won the Stanley Cup, I think he might be the guy that's most taken for granted.
0: Yeah, I, I he was great, man. He was a really good guy. and I think he won a vest in there. So it's tough to, but I I just I, I know, feel you like you don't
1: hear about it much.
0: You don't hear about you it don't much, hear right? about it
1: much. I've at yeah. no point during all that time did I hear anybody. You know, we get a trade for Hopi. Like people bring up Price, Carey Price is a bunch of. Now it might be different, but all those years he was he wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again now is uh, Carey Price. I mean, but you always heard his name. Cut. All every major goalie, I've heard it. I did never heard it much about Hopi ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is wild and he's uh, not that that's to be all and end all, but would you change your name to pork Randall and wear a name tag for 10 grand a month? So you don't know. I know, I know you're doing well in life, but you don't know, like at some point you might not be, and this is a guaranteed 10 grand a month guaranteed 120 grand a year untaxed, just in your pocket, your daughters, whatever it would be, your family, whoever you want to give it to, but it's got to be pork Randall. And you have to wear a name tag saying, I am Pork Randall the rest of your life. And if anybody asks you why, you can't say. You just got to go, what? Oh, I got a name tag on? That's my name, Pork Randall. I like wearing it.
0: Uh, I got a pretty unique name, man. I, I, can't, uh, I can't get rid of the brand. That's, uh, too many people know me like this. this is, uh, I love my name.
1: Mm-hmm. You, you don't. Nice. That's, that's a great fucking answer. What's the best? Which I ripped all over in the roast. Uh, what's the best pie? Oh, gosh. Pie. uh, Apple pie. The Oilers have to change their name and their colors. Name, color. (laughs) To what color? Well, you got to change their name and their colors. Let's just say at least one color. So you got to take out the orange or the blue, and they can't be the Edmonton Oilers. They could be some version of it, but they can't be the Edmonton Oilers.
0: I think just the amount of... I think you could go with engineers because that's the only people that can afford tickets to these games. Edmonton and, uh, engineers.
1: E.E., I like the alliteration, and there's some sense to it. Okay, you got me intrigued. What color would the Edmonton engineers be?
0: Ooh, I think, you know, oh, that's too many of those, but uh I think you could substitute the orange with uh, a little red pinstriping. I think that might look sharp. <laughs>
1: I don't mind you, you know, you you had to do it. I mean, the question was, it's not like you had the choice to, to lay off. So I, I kind of like the Edmonton engineers with a little red trim. Would you go to space if given the opportunity? Definitely. Okay. You're going on a safari. Okay. what What, what is a safari? I don't really know. I assume you're just going through like the jungle and you got to stay alive during the whole safari, whatever it is. It's like a little, it's like a hike maybe, but. Maybe you have a vehicle, do you, in a safari? I'm asking you. Do you Maybe. Know? Well, depends where I'm at. Okay, so you're, you're going on one of those things, okay? You cross a five-day trip through the jungle. You're on a safari. Do you take Simon Laban, Le the lead singer, Duran Duran, Simon Cowell, or Paul Simon?
0: Oh, gosh. I'm taking Duran Duran. I'm hungry like the wolf in there. Yeah, and... Too many good stories. Too many good stories. Rio.
1: They're, they're, they're on a safari, I think. Not why I said it, I just, it popped into my mind. And so at least we know that he's been on a safari and he might be able to help out. Perfect toppings on a pizza.
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, The perfect toppings are obviously um, Parmesan cheese, um, arugula, and um, thinly sliced prosciutto.
1: Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon. Name me a restaurant that stands out that
0: you remember from eating. It doesn't have to be a great restaurant from each. Uh, McMinimins in Portland. There's many of them, but there's one just outside. I believe it's in Lakeside. I forget the name. Tisdale. Anyway, it's a converted old um, uh, insane asylum to a restaurant, four-star hotel. There's a nine-hole par three course. There's glass blowing. They have their own microbrewery in the back. There's a little mini theater that you can go get great bar food and go watch a movie in. It's the first time I ever went into a movie theater and had a beer and had a sandwich at the same time years ago. Like, um, huh. Unbelievable little spot. If you ever go there, Terry, I'll, I'll send you the address. It'll blow you, your mind.
1: You had me at Insane Asylum, but no, seriously, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds intriguing. Are you talking about Portland, Oregon, though, or Portland, Maine? That's Portland, Oregon. Okay, and then Portland, Maine. Do you remember the Port- steakhouse down by the rink in like Maine, the, Portland, Maine? Portland, Maine. There was an area. There was an area that close to the rink. There was a great steakhouse. I don't know if I stumbled upon it or I. I don't. I. I never would remember the name. But uh, we,
0: uh, when I played there, we rarely went for for dinner at a restaurant. We would. All the guys lived out in Old Orchard Beach, right? And so it's like the poor man's Hamptons, yeah. where you know you those rolling sand dunes and then the oceans right there like well you know uh, your sea bear lived there that's where i first met dan cleary um, oh right on yeah we, we, and, i
1: went out there i knew i always knew people playing in portland you know it's, it's hockey world's a small world by the time you're in your third year pro you've met everybody so yeah
0: so we would yeah, go I, down I've to been out
1: where you're talking about this, this yeah. place was down like it was
0: we, we ate there out of necessity because it was by the hotel which was across from the rink yeah, but it was it was a beautiful little spot. I really well. Oh, there was it. actually that's a lie. We used to go to the Mexican restaurant behind the rink there too. Whatever that. It was. is a nice little area. Right? It's great, but we would go down to the the wharf, grab a couple of lobsters, yeah. and go to some guy's house and have a lobster feast.
1: Just a great spot. Reminds me of home too. Um, on Sundays, the rest of your life, you have a choice here. You got to make an animal noise. What animal noise would that be? You're trying to speak, but you can't. So you just you either don't speak on Sundays, or when you try to speak. Either moo or ribbit or some quack or something is going to come out. Which sound uh, do you pick? I'm I'm barking like a dog. Okay, so bark, I'm... barking like a dog, <laughs> barking like a dog. Not a bad answer. Okay, so every time someone asks you your name, okay, every time someone asks you your name, you have to stop yourself and say, "Ricky Merton is the single greatest musician of all time." Okay. What you get, you got to slap yourself across the face. So anytime, like you're in a passport lineup, you're at the airport, you know. There's enough times. It's not totally frequent, but people do ask you your name. So the reward is free McDonald's, a Gretzky rookie in mint, and the chance to be on Jeopardy. But for the rest of your life, okay, free McDonald's for for life, okay. Gretzky mint. That's a one-time thing and the chance to be on Jeopardy. So if you want to be on Jeopardy, you can. Four, but you've got to every single time. Hey, sir, what's your name? You have to slap yourself, act like you're you're out of your fucking mind and say Ricky Martin is the single greatest musician of all time.
0: Do you take that deal? Yeah, I'll take that deal. The Gretzky (laughs) Mint is what? It's like... Almost two million dollars, right? So is it that takes? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. I think I didn't
1: know. I mean, I I knew it was thousands, tens of thousands. Even (laughs) I I didn't realize that. I don't know
0: if I get rid of it though. Do I just keep it? That's a pretty sweet little thing there. Well,
1: either way, you're 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 getting an asset, or you're getting two million bucks. Yeah, that's up to you. All you got (laughs) to do is slap yourself and say that Ricky Martin is the greatest single musician of all time, and you've already agreed to do that. (laughs) Who's the sexiest cartoon character ever? Oh, Jessica Rabbit. Uh, yeah, it, it, to me. And you know who's second? If I'm going to be honest with myself, Bugs Bunny, when he acts like a girl, when he because I used to think that was a different rabbit. And now, I mean, of course, I, I don't mind saying it. I'm not gay. I mean, sometimes it would be advantageous. I'm not, but they make him look really sexy, Those those animators, in so much so that when I was a kid, I thought the first time I saw it that it was the girl version. And I think she's just as hot as Jessica Rabbit. Um, and I don't mind saying it. There you go. Uh, okay. Who is your favorite athlete outside of sports? Athlete outside of sports. Oh, no. Sorry. Outside of hockey. Jesus. Christ! Outside of hockey. Tell me the best athlete that is completely sedentary and does nothing all day. Please. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Again, I have to uh this goes back to Portland, but I'd have to say Michael Jordan. Um he we because playing in Portland was great because we would go at the practice ring, come back, and whatever NBA team was probably doing their warm-up if they were playing the Trailblazers that night, right? So mm. guys were shooting threes with Bird. Um, I met the mailman and John Stockton when the bulls came to town, I got Pippen and Phil Jackson and, and Steve Curtis sign my stick. Jordan wouldn't sign it, but I think it was because I had, it said Titan on it and he didn't want, uh, yeah. he didn't want, uh, his name on a different brand. So I was mad. But then after watching the docu series and seeing all this stuff, I was, Oh, he pr- was probably worried that, uh that uh that he was signing something that he didn't have endorsed so
1: i you know what if i can be any i mean i don't know i like the last dance he is he looks like a fucking hard guy to play with and for but whatever well, yeah. the, the, if it if, if if the job gets done i mean I, I respect where he's coming from but just to add to that i did meet him once in the airport it was in the guardia in new york right and it's yeah in new york and um He did. I had a a shirt on and he signed it and I I didn't know what to get signed. I had nothing on me. And I was so I just because my buddy was a fan. So he signed the shirt, just said Chicago Bulls on it. And then I gave it to my buddy when I got back. So maybe it was the the fact that it said Titan, you know? Yeah, I'd like to think that I'd like to. I
0: hope that's what I'm telling myself now, just because he was. The posters were up in the room when I was a kid. Like he was he was larger in life. He was larger than life. He really was larger than life. It would have been
1: hard to be him. Be like Mike, <laughs> I think. Fuck, it would have been hard to be like Mike. Okay, you got to pick one of these DJ names. Stink McSpit, Freddy Fuckstick, Moo Moo McDuck, or just Puke. And over the U in Puke is like that Motley Crue symbol. So you can tell it's like dirty European or something. Oh, Puke, then. I like the symbols. The Puke, yeah, yeah the symbol. is something yeah. to it, isn't it? Yeah. And you know that immediately, if it was just Puke, whatever, but puke with the symbols is going to be a tattoo the next day after your concert. At least 20% of it is going to have puke.
0: And I'm probably performing in Europe at some point. And, you know, they they, they don't have a real good command of the different no, intricacies don't. of the English language. So they probably think it's cool. Puke it
1: is. So, Mr. Puke, your all time team, this is your last question, your all time NHL team, except on this particular team, you can't have anybody named Gretzky, Lemieux, Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr, or any Montreal Canadiens?
0: So am I building this team or just a current team over the last? No, you're, while? you're, I've got, well, yeah,
1: you're right. Starting lineup. So I've got six players coming at you. Okay. I've, I've got computer. My side has a computer generated six robots that are set to beat you. What you've got to do is pick five players and a goalie from the history of the National Hockey League. And you're going to assume that these guys are all in their prime when you get them.
0: And I can't pick. Okay. So God, that's tough. Well, let's just say, let's start on D and I'm going Chris Pronger. Then I'm having kale McCarr up at forward, I have down the middle. I'm going to, I'm going to go Messier. I could pick Messier, right? Yeah messier uh timu slani on the right Mm -hmm. and need something on the other side there against brett hall no no he's a right-hander um I i mean you could pick three forwards
1: i don't you know it doesn't have to be this guy's a right winger you can make any i'm assuming any of these people could go in that slot and do well so i'll throw you that bone
0: yeah let's uh Let's go with and just some utter toughness and scoring ability, like Brendan Shanahan nice. and Fierzy and that.
1: I absolutely love your picks. I, Pronger was my first pick too. I went, I just, for some reason, my head went defense first and I went Pronger right off the bat. Isn't that wild? And it's funny. I'd almost like look back. I, I, a lot of people have said that, so, but but if if you were to, think about the top defenseman ever a lot of people wouldn't say chris pronger but a lot of people say it right i did i went with pronger and i I can't remember it was either uh, lidstrom or niedermeyer i I couldn't i I can't remember what i picked but you're the first to bring up mccarr and i don't think the last and i think when it's all said and done he has i'm not saying it's going to be who knows but he has the potential he has the potential to land real high in the history of hockey. Like if he keeps doing what he's doing, I, I don't know. He's, he's the, the most brilliant defenseman I've ever seen play with, with live with like not play against just to watch and admire. You know what I mean?
0: Well, it, it's weird because I was during doing podcasts and talking about it and going into this, the series with the Oilers and Avs. I, I would said at it wasn't McKinnon. It wasn't Ranton, It wasn't, it wasn't a cadre that was the going to be the the hardest to defend against it was going to be kale mccarthy my whole life playing hockey i mean and i'm i'm not saying it's hard, it's less difficult to play against a player like nathan mckinnon but when the offense is generated from the back end like that and and is so um it it's it's irregular of when it happens. Like you see Cale McCarlick, he'd had one play where he just saw an opening and took off just like Connor McDavid did. And everyone's like, well, who's got this guy? You know, you're so used to demon head manning the puck and, and getting it, but he's, he's creating everything from the goal line out. Right. Like, and you don't know when that's happening. It's just, it's so much more difficult to defend against, an offensive player like McCar, the way he moves and what he can do, compared to I think a Ford, where it's a little bit more natural when when that offense is is generated a little bit. And not only that, but just his defending is yes yeah. is, is he made Connor look human at certain points going backwards, and that I hadn't I haven't seen that in two years, man. So where the fuck would you put him now next year when the hockey news comes
1: out? Where would you put him in the top ten? players or top i i'm saying top 10 because obviously but to me but we're in the top 50 say the top 50 in the nhl right now like i i didn't i don't know why maybe it's i think elliot friedman brought up something the other night he's like you know a lot of times in now he'll get more attention because everybody in the world is watching I me mean, playing colorado see when well, they're a good team but at least out east like you know everything is is is, is leaf and and Senator and Canadian kind of centric, just like out there, you're watching Edmonton, but you're seeing them play Colorado more. I, I didn't, I mean, I know he's good. I've, I watched some games, but literally every fucking minute I've watched to the playoffs <laughs> and my buddy, Alex Newhooks on, so, and, and watching the Oilers, it's, it's fucking amazing. And so I don't know, man, I don't know where I'd put him. Like he might be ahead of McKinnon. He's on his own team.
0: I never would have thought I, of that until you
1: brought it up, but.
0: right. Well, if if the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, who yeah. he's getting? He's getting the Con Smythe. He's like. getting the
1: Con Smythe, and then there's an argument that you. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I i can not believe. I feel bad spitting the words out, but I don't know. You'd <laughs> have to put him in the top five. You'd have to put him in the top five in the NHL. And I think McDavid is just too good. But I, you might be able to say number two.
0: He, he move. He moves like McDavid on the back end. It's. It's. Where he, how he can skate and generate speed and and do all these things—it's—it's it's just like watching. Mc, I mean, McDavid's a joke. And to see what he did this year was in the playoffs. I, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was a joke, what but I, I just, I don't know. Like, of course, I think if you're starting, if you could start a team, I, I think all 32 GMs would say, yeah, Connor McDavid. I, and I'd be—I don't know. There could be some that say, you know what? Right. I, I want Kale McCarr. There might be some. <laughs> there that's what I'm some. saying. And by yeah. the way, when
1: I say ahead of McKinnon, I'm—I'm I'm just saying. This is all subjective. No one really. It's all subjective. I fucking love McKinnon. I'm just saying no, that's great. what's mesmerizing to me is that he's—he's he's doing. Any other time in the last five, six, seven, eight years, if you're talking Colorado Avalanche, I'm going Nathan McKinnon is the best fucking player they got. But. Shit's changing and in a good way, because McKinnon's not getting any worse. You know (laughs) what I mean? I'm not saying this guy sucks. He's getting better with it. And I mean, fuck the speed and the power. Anyway, anyway, I could go on. I'll leave it right there. I got to take off. My daughter and I are going to go on a nice long bike ride right now. We're going to get out and enjoy the 23 degree evening that we had in Newfoundland, because honestly, it's iceberg season and it could be three degrees tomorrow. Every day is like that. Honestly, the fog burns off, and it's normal. But fog off the icebergs—I don't wish it on anybody. But hey, if the weather was always good here, no one would live here, uh, or sorry, too many people would live here. Too many people. Um, Gager, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have a uh, unbelievable summer, and uh, thank you for taking the roast so eloquently. And
0: I'm sure I will get to see you in the future. Uh, Thanks for doing that again, Terry. This has been a blast. Um, If you're ever out here or if I uh, venture out east at any point, uh, I would love to get together and we can continue this conversation.
1: I will, buddy. I can't wait to get out west and go oil and Oilers Nation. You got a lot to look forward to. Thank you very much, Joaquin Gage. We'll talk again soon. There you have it. A little bit of Joaquin Gage action, the Gager. Thanks a lot to him. Uh, Very interesting cat and still lives in Edmonton. You know, it must be nice. I I wonder, even though, uh, you know, my time in Montreal was brief, it must be nice to be able to just walk down to the game. I mean, I do when I'm in town. But if you played for the Oilers, and you live there, and something like this happens. it must be nice it must be a good vibe to be down and part of it. you know, I remember last year was couldn't really do much, but ten years ago when the uh the Habs made their run, think they, they were playing the flyers, we went up, and it really felt nice to be part of that uh the, the energy of at least a little tiny sliver of the history of of a team that is actually buzzing. Years later, it's a bit of fun. i got to be honest. So for Joaquin Gage and all the Oilers fans and buddies that I have out there, I don't think uh, hope is lost. I see a lot of shit on Twitter, but I'm just going to stop again. I've been back on Twitter a little bit lately, trying to chime in, and honestly, it's more frustrating than anything. I, I don't think it represents the uh, the whole, not even close, and I don't honestly think that Orders fans should be flipping out, or, or any real fans shouldn't be. I mean, they made the top four of 32 teams. Okay. Steps. Rome wasn't built in a day. People were wondering if they'd make it out of the first round. They've, they've been surrounded in embarrassment at times over the last few years. Right. They did it, they went on, they improved. And they were very, very injured, and some of their best players were very injured, and they put up a great effort. And I might laugh at Mike Smith and everything. It's not fucking easy going through 40 years old, being a goalie, and all that pressure and all that shit, and the the physical demands and mental demands, which might even be more than the obvious physical demands, right? Players in and out of the lineup, injuries, suspensions, how are we going to do, coaching change. A lot happened this year, and you got four teams – remained and the Oilers were one of them and i think that's something to be proud of especially look at the teams they're playing against right and uh i don't see them going and going backwards so i think the uh the oilers are going to be scary uh they are now two players just got 30 points plus i mean come on three rounds Anyway, without beating it to death, good luck to the Oilers. Good luck to Oilers Nation. They've always treated me really positively, and I can't wait to get to Edmonton and talk about this with more of you in person. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Album. Hmm. The album this week I used to think was so mainstream, I wouldn't recommend it, but I brought it up at Hockey uh, with a lot of the boys are back from playing pro. So, you know, 20-odd, 30-odd. Yeah, I'm one of the older ones. But Born in the USA by Brooke Springsteen. I didn't think that was so ancient. And I certainly didn't think that uh, a lot of people wouldn't have heard of it. But Because, um, we see, now it's all about the song, not the package. But this album is great. My favorite song oh, God Born in the USA. I'm going to read it out. Born in the USA, cover me Darlington County working on a highway working on the highway. Downbound train, I'm on fire, no surrender. Bobby Jean, I'm going down. Glory days, dancing in the dark and my hometown. An absolute machine of an album. This is rocking. I love every single song. My favorite two are probably No Surrender and I'm Going Down. Took the world by storm in 1984. Uh, one of the best and biggest selling albums of all time. I shouldn't need to introduce it like that or qualify it, but I guess Born in the USA is starting to be a bit dated. This has been Tales with TR, episode 106B with Joaquin Gage. Thanks to Gager. Thanks for everybody for, to everybody for tuning in. Remember, go to. If you're going to drink in town, why not go for a beer at TJ's or Greensleeves or Rob Roy, Bull and Barrel or Trinity Pub? I love those spots. And if I'm going for a bite, I go to Merchant Tavern or I go to Blue on Water. Wedgwood Cafe. Check it out. All your catering needs. Elizabeth Avenue. Stop in for a bite to eat. I love it. Peter Wedgwood. Great chef. Great person. Penny Posh Designs. Women's Wear Reimagined. Check that out as well. Folks, I'm out of here. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.